Uh, hello everyone. Ah, let me try that again. Hello everyone. <laughs> Good start. Yeah, great, great start, great start. Good, well done. Hello everyone, and welcome to the second ever Overcast Gamer Show. Uh, it's a lovely day here in central Wellington. The sun is shining, it's mostly obscured by a cloud, um, so I think it's probably a good time to talk about video games. Absolutely. I'm joined here with... Regan Harper, as per usual. And again, Balthazar Valentine. And we've got some great banter for you today. Um, as per usual, we're going to go over a few things we've been playing there, jump into a few news items, and some, uh, some good discussions about some driving games, and PlayStation Plus, and puzzle games in there as well. So that should be good. Um, so we'll get into it. So um, Balthazar, I think you, you're up first, mate. Yeah, I've been playing a, a fair few games uh, the past few weeks. I'm really just tapping on some old stuff from my Steam library. It's been PC-centric pretty much the whole time mm-hmm. this past fortnight. PC um, Master Race. Yeah, yeah, yes. exactly. Uh, starting off cracking some Undertale. Um, got a lot of rewards and recognition in <laughs> now 2015. Now that's the game developed by a single developer. Yeah, yeah, everything. He's, he's 24 years old. Oh, so oh, right, yeah. so don't we feel like bags of shit? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and I got to say, um, I didn't enjoy it. Um, <laughs> it's again, yeah, it's one of those odd things uh, when you point out that it's it's all done by one guy. You feel kind of bad saying, "Nah, I didn't like it." Yeah. But it's not in any way a demerit to his work. I think it is incredible that he's managed to do it. I just personally did not enjoy the game. Um, I found it compelling, which I think is a very different thing to enjoyable. Right. Um, I I felt the drive to keep going through and reach the end of the game, and I did play through the full game. Um, but I, I wouldn't really say that I had fun playing the game the whole way through, and I'm right. not sure if the drive to continue going was because I was enjoying what was there or because I honestly felt there had to be something more to it as I went right, through right. because of the amount of praise it received. So just give a, a little brief synopsis of what the game's about. Um, so it's it's hard to say things without spoiling it because a lot of the game is, is very meta and, and right. kind of revealing what would happen, what happens would not necessarily ruin an experience but definitely detract from kind of the enjoyment from it um, yeah. so I can't go into too many specifics but essentially um, you are a human um, ch- child could be male or female you don't know I assume male there's a lot of discussion about the gender I think really you do just kind of assume your gender onto it as right. you're playing right. um, but it's yeah you fall down a hole um, or you go into a mountain I don't know it's in the opening <laughs> <laughs> Something you, you, you go into a cave. I'm pretty sure you fall down a hole. Um, you end up in some ruins, um, and there's monsters um, sort of everywhere. Mm-hmm. And as you go through, um, you can choose whether to be passive and, and preserve the life of everything down there, or be hostile and kill things. Um, the game actually does do a very good job of kind of coaching you through the passive aspect of it and being like this is how you make friends with monsters don't fight them don't attack them like mm-hmm. the tutorial person Toriel says you know the whole way through that starting area like just don't make sure you don't kill anyone don't so the game actually makes it quite clear that the anti-norm is the correct way to go in this game that right. if you choose to do what you would do in any other game and kill everything that is the bad path it's mm-hmm. actively telling you repeatedly don't kill the monsters save the monsters do a pacifist run through yeah. kind of thing, yeah. um, which in itself is, is cool. It's a cool thing to do and be like, hey, look, we want you to do everything against what you typically do when you play a game. Um, and as you go through it, it throws some fun stuff at you. Um, there's a lot of cool monster designs in the game. Um, I mean, there's a skeleton that you can romance, and that's pretty cool. <laughs> it's pretty, um, that sounds pretty cool. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it's, it's one that I think... 
it plays very heavily on the meta and addressing you not only as the person controlling the in-game character but also as someone in yourself playing a game um, and it addresses that fact a few times and those are definitely where the game really shines where it kind of breaks that fourth wall and right. it's just like hey you yeah you actually sitting there reading this and playing this but while it was interesting again I wouldn't necessarily say that that aspect of the game lent towards making the game play fun the gameplay was essentially a very repetitive loop of go through areas, solve a couple of puzzles. If you can call them puzzles, for the most part, they were just like memory, memorizing patterns and, no, uh, and okay. things, and then and then reenacting them. Um, not enough of a puzzle game to get fired up. Not enough of a puzzle game to be a puzzle game, but also mm-hmm. not enough kind of combat elements to be a fighting RPG or anything and almost not enough story to be a narratively driven game either like honestly it's it's almost there in every aspect but not quite there in any aspect in my opinion and i think that's do you know know, have you looked into sort of reviews and things and what people have like nailed down this like this what causes it to be the the amazing game that they all (sighs) say yes and no so i've only looked into a few reviews and i stopped right there because all of them were just like Den out of den. <laughs> Best game ever. Uh, if you don't get it, you're just a dummy. Yeah. Like, no, what I, why don't you explain what I'm not getting? Yeah. And then maybe I'll get it, or maybe I will continue to disagree and say, well, no, I think it's a good a Maybe it's one of those game. things where they're, they're sort of doing it, and then when you play through it, you don't quite get it. You feel a little bit... I feel like, like it, it could know. also partially be down to the hype. It won so many awards and was talked about so highly before I ever actually played it yeah. that when I got into it, I was expecting so much from it that it let me down. Right, right, right. Um, and I think maybe if I just found this game on Steam on a sale for a cheap price, I would honestly actually have never picked it up because all the screenshots and it looks... It's a very ugly-looking game. Um, yeah, it's incredibly... If I had, horrible. maybe if it was in a humble, <laughs> humble bundle or something with other stuff mm. I wanted so I got it, I would have played it and had I never heard anything about about it perhaps I would have thought it was really fresh original inspiring creative just incredible game um, but because I'd heard so much about it ahead of time it didn't live up to the hype mm-hmm. um, and for me that just left me with kind of like a, as I said I played it to finish and I never really had the intention to stop before the end right. I was compelled to keep going the whole way through to the end but I wouldn't necessarily say that I enjoyed playing it right through to the end oh, interesting okay and uh, you've got anything else you've been um, jamming yeah well? so I finished Legacy of the Void campaign uh, something I picked up when it came out got sort of 50% of the way through and then just stopped mm-hmm. um, for whatever reason other games coming out usually um, finished it up and yeah I mean I'm, I'm not a big RTS player because I'm pretty crap crap at RTS is not good at strategy games <laughs> um, I played the campaign on casual and I actually failed one of the missions still even on casual so it's really like, like there's terrible. no shame in it I suck <laughs> at RTS games um, but I play them um, you know because I enjoy when there is a story typically I would enjoy the story um, Grey Goo being a good example of that of a recent RTS um, and often campaigns introduce fun mechanics um, that aren't you know in multiplayer RTS matches or anything like that. They kind of throw away one-off mechanics. And I think that's what Legacy of the Void does really well. Unfortunately, the story was pretty lacking, especially as a conclusion to a kind of trilogy. It felt very just just staple, generic, mm. kind of like, we're the good guys, we're going to unite everyone. We were Do you suppose yeah. it, was, it was like that because perhaps they were relying on the fact that, hey, people are probably just going to play this online with their friends mm, I think very much yeah they I mean the, the thing about it um, is, is why it 
it plays very well, but story wasn't that great, is Blizzard actually adopted a new policy semi-recently. Um, I say semi-recently, I think it was a year ago or so now, mm-hmm. um, where they said they were going to build all their future um, games and expansions around gameplay first and foremost, and then storytelling second, whereas previously they'd always done storytelling first and then built a game that was able to convey the story effectively. Now they're like, we're going to build a game that's fun to play, and then we're going to put a story into that game. And I think that's where Legacy of the Void really shines, is that the campaign has so many throwaway mechanics. I mean, we brought up uh, Mario, Super Mario 3 was yeah, recently yeah, yeah. having that, and, and yeah. Legacy of the Void is another great example of that. It will have missions where it will have something that only exists within that one mission. Like there's one where you're on a base that you have to constantly move. Um, so you have to use arrows, arrow prompts on the screen to move the space up, right, down, to move your kind of resource collection around as you deplete areas and also keep yourself ahead of the kind of enemy convoy that's roaming the map and trying mm-hmm. to find and destroy your base, mm-hmm. um, which really cool mechanic, one mission, and then it's gone. Some other cool ones is a mission towards the end where you lose bases as you go. Um, so every sort of few minutes, this, this character will just completely annihilate a base on the map. Just gone and again it's like it was it was really cool because it really felt made you feel like i need to either build a crap load of bases everywhere i can or i really need to press on with these objectives and finish and yeah it did that stuff really well but then the story just wasn't there okay. um it was i mean it, what the cutscenes were very pretty you know blizzard cutscenes, very nice mm-hmm. um animation and stuff but the story itself was not what i expected get like given the ending of uh heart of the swarm Legacy of the Void did not live up to kind of the end that the the peak that mm-hmm. the the franchise reached mm-hmm. at that point. Sure. I wouldn't say that's the peak in storytelling. Actually, probably uh, what was it called? The the expansion to the original StarCraft, I think, was the peak of the StarCraft storytelling. Um, but Heart of the Swarm was getting there again with StarCraft Two. It was really good, and then Legacy of the Void just kind of petered out a bit. Okay, mm-hmm. not have you have you played? Have you dabbled in many RTS? Not a fan of RTSs. Not a fan. Nah, of can't be dealing with it. <laughs> it's, 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 uh, I need. I need. I need. I can't be dealing with sort of like, um, it's, you know, putting in hours and hours into into building up an army and building up a barracks and and you know you, you go to fight someone else and their army happens to be three times as big as yours and you just get fucked and that's the end of your game. Like that just doesn't appeal to you. Does not appeal to me in the slightest. Yeah, no, fair enough. And uh, the thing about it is, even if you win one of those, a map or whatever, all you get is a you are victorious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then I played a bit of Age of Empires back in the day because it, it used to they, they sold it in cereal box for a while. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I remember <laughs> that. Yeah. Kellogg sold yeah, yeah. the yeah. classic games. I, I managed to get Matt Hoffman's Pro BMX in Age of Empires or Cocoa Pops. <laughs> Good, job. Um, Good job. So yeah, I played Age of Empires and. Uh, the, the most fun I had with it was just putting in every, every single cheat possible and roaming mm. around the map. Yeah, for me it was a custom mode where you set up and you just build scenarios for yourself and you're like, this team's going to have a million siege weapons and this team's just going to have a dude behind a wall. Let's see how he <laughs> yeah, attacks yeah, the yeah. siege weapons to annihilate. <laughs> like, put in Gaia and you become like all the animals and you're like roaming yeah, around and all yeah. that sort of stuff. But nah, not a fan of them. Not a fan? Can't mm. deal with them. I think my moment, yeah, uh, I, I haven't played one in a long time. I'll, I'll put that out there. And, and probably Age of Empires 2. For me, was mm-hmm. uh, the Age of Kings was a really, really cool game, mm-hmm. um, and I played that a bit. And I remember getting it for Christmas one year and just losing my shit, just being stoked. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then having to spend like a month to save up to to uh, to buy a new, I think maybe like a new graphics card or something to get the old school <laughs> piece of shit computer that we had at the time to run it. But once that happened, it was great. And and it's I think those 
those games are sort of the appeal to me would be similar to the appeal to playing uh, you know an online FPS something where you're you know you're battling your mates and it's it's being able to beat somewhat another real person right, that's the right. fun part but yeah haven't played them in a while so I guess I understand. Probably I, similar I'm probably one of the least competitive people in the world, so that, that probably <laughs> doesn't help, to be honest. Um, most things I just don't really care about. I just want to be left alone to my own devices and yeah. have a have a developer guide me through a story or, mm. or, or you know, put me in a world that I can explore. And Someone who does that really well, actually, which is another game I've been playing this <clears> last <throat> fortnight, is um, Bioware. Mm-hmm. Going back to their roots with storytelling, I decided to download uh, The Old Republic, um, Give yes. It a Whirl. Yep. Supposedly the new expansion has been, you know, really good and a, a true return to form for Bioware storytelling. Um, they give you the option to create a level 60 character straight away and jump straight into the expansion, mm. um, but it did have the little note saying this will pick up right where the story ended from the main game. So I decided to flag that, make a level one. That's uh, a free. Is it, it's a free story. to play game, right? Free to download. Yeah. Now, what I've heard is you need to be a subscriber to get into the expansion. Since I made a level one, not a level 60, and I'm playing the main story, mm. I'm not a. I don't know if I'm going to hit that point where it's like, sorry, you can't continue. You need mm. to be a subscriber. Um, if that is the case, I think it's like seven dollars for a month and i can't see the story taking more than that so if mm-hmm. i get through the main game and i've really enjoyed it the story and it is good and i want to carry on i happily pay seven bucks mm-hmm. for a month subscription or what have you and that's something i just I, I vaguely dabbled in a bit i made a character decided to be a, an evil jedi rather than a sith because yeah. it's like I, sith are just a bit too evil you know they're like someone's <laughs> like hey yeah. can you do this quest for me and you're like not only will i not do your quest but I will tie you to this chair and then kill your parents in front of you. <laughs> yeah, I've Whereas... got the level of evil with the Sith. Like, yeah, I don't quite. I don't, you know, sure, evil. That's great. But evil for evil's sake, and yeah. like killing for just <laughs> yeah. just Whereas because being like... a dark Jedi is where all the fun's at. Because you know you've got all the stiffs around you being like, observe the code and be great, and you just walk into a tavern. Actually, this actual example of what happened in the game: walk into an area, help save them out do a Twi'lek check who's like isn't this against the card I'm like fuck the code fuck the code let's have sex um, so we did it and then they're like oh you've broken your vows and then you get another chick in your group who's a person and she's all like this is bad this is don't do this and you're just like no just go go wait in the ship if you don't like what I'm doing I believe it's an actual dialogue option I had just go just go wait over there you don't have to observe it if you disagree um, and great lines like when you finish a quest and they're like oh we, we've helped you with your thing and your character just walks in overrides it and goes yep I've done it again <laughs> like just being a bad Jedi is where all the fun is at um, and yeah so started off that and then just launched into another MMO which just released um, called Blade and Soul just released in the West. It's been out in kind of Eastern territories for I think over a year now. Mm. Um, which which you're enjoying, right? I am. <laughs> <laughs> I say in a very reserved tone because originally uh, the first thing I did was I booted up the game and you go to character select, uh, character creation rather. Mm-hmm. Um, and something I always like to do is just go through the races, both male and female, and see kind of the best combination um, to try and get the most badass looking character kind of thing or yeah. have a preview of some of the armors maybe and be like who looks the coolest and some of the gear that you can get in the game and the immediate thing I noticed when switching from generic male A to generic female A was that if you rotate them even half a degree to the side physics all over the chest um, <laughs> well it's supposed to be physics I think it's not it's like a lack of gravity in that region and they'll just 
jiggle for like two minutes after half a degree of rotation. <laughs> it's absolutely mental. And the game likes to show this off by having all the armor not be armor. You know, it's like on a dude, it's like, yeah, look at this classic Eastern robe thing I have. And then chicks like, look at this classic Eastern robe I have from the stomach down and then just hanging out at the top. <laughs> like, you know, I've just got a little bra maybe, but not really. It's more like a piece of string. Mm. Look at the jiggle. Um, so I had a laugh at that. <laughs> so this is why you're enjoying the game. I had a laugh at that, <laughs> and then I was like, "All right, let's just let's just try it." Because from what I've heard, the combat in this game is is amazing for an MMO. Like it's kind of single player RPG quality combat in an online cool. game. So I clicked play game, and it was like, "Cool, don't forget this game just literally came out today." So you're 860 something a thing queue to get into the game. Estimated wait time six hours. And I was oh. like, "All right, let's quit that and, and whatever." Went to work the next day. Came home. And the missus was playing it on her computer. She downloaded it, made a character, and was in the game. And I was like, I have to give it a crack now because she's <laughs> playing it and seems to really be enjoying it. So I logged in, however many hours in queue again. I was like, God, God damn it. It's like, hey, <laughs> wanna how gaming works? <laughs> wanna yeah. jump the queue? Premium members get in straight away. Fuck, that sounds terrible. Um, and I was like, ah, oh, so this is. Is their there thing. actually a queue? This That's is their thing. Question. There actually is because I did get in waiting in queue. And then it turns out that a Razer app I have on the computer uh, interacted with that anti-hack system and crashed the game. So as soon as I got into the game, I was crashed. Uh, <laughs> so I closed all those, closed all those apps, joined up, and I was like, I'm not waiting six hours again. Watching her play it, I'm like, this game looks really fucking cool. Seven dollars for a premium membership. All right, fine, whatever. Seven dollars. This is one of your premium tokens. This is one of my premium tokens. It's not letting me use my card at the moment. <laughs> um, so I, I did it. I was like, okay, whatever. Seven bucks two v's kind of thing like sure. i won't get my next two v's i'm gonna get just a lie but um <laughs> got in fun game very fun game considering i just downloaded it as a laugh because i heard the western version was censored and i'm like sent what if they needed to censor immediately understood because the eastern version apparently is even less clothing than the western like the western version a female character starts off pretty much in underwear the eastern version they start off in see-through underwear so you <laughs> <laughs> always have to wonder uh, <laughs> Um, but yeah, no, I'm really enjoying it. Um, I made a character who looks exactly like um, Asura from Asura's Wrath, my, mm -hmm. one of my favorite games of all time. Um, literally, it's just him. It is just exactly him. I even found an outfit that's his exact outfit. So I'm just running around, hammering stuff. Combat's cool. Um, it's kind of like a mixture of, of classic MMO in terms of kind of your multiple skill bars and everything mixed with Smite. Um, as in kind of the AWSD movement um, mm -hmm. with the mouse looking around but then the left click right click kind of auto attack stronger auto attack it's, it's like an odd combination between a, a single player action RPG and an MMO but it actually works really mm -hmm. well um, you can go to settings to change it so it's classic MMO where you kind of use the, the mouse for movement and you can move your hot key skills to the entire keyboard but I quite like the action combat um, okay really interesting surprised very surprised and I, it makes me just kind of go and see soft what are you doing like you had a great game and then you just nudied it up as though you didn't have a great game kind of thing like mm. it does it does lead me to wonder where quite the design choice was there that it was already a great game that was going to hook people in with its story um, somehow good story um it's it's combat and it's character design when you do get in you get there it's a pretty good character creation tool um this is quite a lot of variety there um, definitely one of the best in an MMO I've ever experienced. Um, so it's like with everything that's there, I just question why they also decided to make it kind of, 
R18. Like it just feels like mm. that's something you do to a game that's horribly failing and sucks to try and get the get you know pre-teens yeah. in and, and get them to spend a bit of money to buy the thing from the cash shop that removes underwear or whatever you know mm. like and and in this game it's like it was a fine game it was all there it didn't need this why was it there yeah. i just i don't it's know it's unfortunate those cultural differences which can have an impact on the actual quality of the game and how yeah. it's perceived like that but yeah. that's the thing right like a lot of people would go this is a great game and i also and get i to also boobs. get boobs i mean i'm on i've got the best of both worlds because i don't have to look like one of those pervs online so i'm running around as a giant muscly male character but I only ever play it with the missus who is playing a practically naked, large-breasted woman. So it's like, <laughs> I get the best of both worlds Absolutely. without looking to be a put. Um, and I have to say, yeah, it's, it's just a fun game. It's, mm. it's surprised me. I don't know how long it will last. And the funness, like, you know, a lot of the fun is the combat. Mm -hmm. So probably as soon as I stop getting new skills and constantly evolving my fighting and everything, and it, it will potentially just become grind. Uh, yeah. But I put about eight, ten hours into it mm -hmm. so far still enjoying it so yeah. it's interesting it's worth it's worth checking out it's totally free to download and play um i'd say give it a month or two when all the kind of people just wanting to look at it because it's a new mo move on so you actually log in and get in straight away without mm -hmm. having to make a arbitrary purchase um but yeah no okay fun, so fun for a free game free nc soft game um and if you download the nc launch you can see the whole category of games all of which are free to play um so you've got wildstar on there you've got lineage they're all free games, um, free mm. MMOs with pretty, uh, some of them have pretty big player bases. Um, so, you know, it's worth worth just taking a look at NCSoft's back catalogue, really, if you've got a spare weekend, want to try something online with some friends for free. Okay. Laid themselves pretty good, yeah. Cool, yeah. cool. Um, yeah, I'll, I'll go now, because I'm not sure, Regan, you don't have anything for that you played? Not really, no, no, no. My my last week has been pretty pretty boring. Yeah. Not something that I really want to... You know, talk all about yeah, 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 fair, yeah enough, fair enough, fair um, enough. So go for it. Yeah, I'll just jump back into. I don't want to sound like a broken record, but all I've been playing is The Witcher Three. After your impassioned um, talk about it last time we did this, I jumped back into it that evening, and it's got its claws into me good because right. that's all I've been playing. Yeah, uh, at least <laughs> three hours a day every day. Yeah, um, you know, and with you know working a nine to five job, that's that's pretty tricky. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm impressed by that. Good job. I'm yeah. I'm loving it. I Yesterday, I got to Skelliger. That's the only yesterday. This is my first time I've ever been to Skelliger. <coughs> How do you feel about Skelliger? It's the most beautiful open world I've ever seen in my entire life, in any game. Wow. Yeah, without a doubt. Skelliger is incredible. Like, as soon as, um, you know, your shipwrecks and, and, and you get onto the yeah. shore and you look around and there's harpies swarming in the sky and oh, it's yeah. beautiful. You can see isles out, little separate isles in, in, in the ocean and stuff. I, I was just like, this has got me absolutely smitten. This yeah. game is absolutely incredible. Um, yeah, so I've, I'm probably only about maybe two or three hours into Skelliger now. Um, but my God, it's just, I'm loving that game so much. It just gets better and better. It's it's easing its way into my upper echelon of like favorite games of all time. And wow. I think by the time I've finished it, which God knows when that's going to be, <laughs> but um, I think it's going to be in like my top five or something like that. It's, yeah, it's yeah. just it's once, so once good. you get, I think what happened for me when I got into Skellige was like I'd seen I'd seen White Orchard, Valen, Novigrad. Yep. I'd seen that and I thought, man, this is a pretty big game. Mm -hmm. There's a lot there to do. And then I got into Skellige and went, oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, look at exhale. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Okay. Well. I'm not going to stop playing this game for another year or so. It's, no. Yeah, that that was my impression of Skelliger. Yeah. It is beautiful. Um, the Witcher does does yeah. several things really, really well. So, 
getting into Scaliger and talking to the people in Scaliger, there's a very separate mentality in Scaliger than there is in Valen and Novigrad. Mm. Everyone in Valen and Novigrad seems just miserable, and they just you know <laughs> most of them hate you, and they're just just sitting there and they're wallowing in their own filth. Yep. And you get into Scaliger and everyone's just like. Yeah, stuff's a bit shitty, but you know we kind of deal with it. Mm. It just yeah, stiff yeah. up a lip and all that. I'm like, man, this is really refreshing. Like, <laughs> yeah. Everyone's not just wailing because their you know their husband just got hung because he burned down someone's mill. And mm. you get into Skelliger and they're they're sending off this this um, Yara they call him king kind of thing, sending him off in a big Viking type boat, and it's all very emotional. And everyone's just and then they all get pissed at a wake. Like man, everyone's having a really good time here. Yeah, I might just stay like, on Skellige. Like I don't think I'll be never ever going back to Valen now. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, and, and a, a, another thing I just noticed: the Witcher has accomplished something that I've I've been I've been pining for in games for a long, long time, and that's the feeling of complete immersion in the middle of a forest. Mm. Like just the light is all blocked out. There's massive pine trees and things, and and you know shrubberies and stuff all around you you just feel like there's this microcosm that you're in right now and it's part of a bigger thing but for the life of you you can't see any way out of this forest and you just feel completely immersed and um Valen did that to some extent like Crookback Bog and things like that mm-hmm. the Skelliger does that just on a whole another level there was times where I was looking around and I was just like I have no idea where I came from like I fought some losses <laughs> and then I got really I'm disoriented lost, yeah. I was actually lost yeah and I was like I'm not going to look at my board map because this is this is fucking awesome, and I'm going to try and find my way out of here. And mm-hmm. I've never had an experience like this before in my Absolutely. life. So. I think that comes, well, in my impression, that comes from scale. I think the only other game that I've sort of had that with would be maybe something like Skyrim, if you're not like really paying attention to where you're at on your map and that kind of thing. Yep. Take a wrong turn, walk across a creek or something, and you you you, you can get literally lost. Yeah. Which is, a, which is a pretty awesome thing. Yeah. And if you're willing to let yourself get you know just kind of get immersed in, in that kind of experience it's mm-hmm. a pretty awesome thing to, is, yeah. to get lost in a video game it is amazing to, I guess to role play that as yep. well like imagine yep. if you know I mean to be honest in real life if I went for a walk in a, in a, in a bush I would be instantly lost yep. <laughs> it'd be just just gone and you know it takes away all the uh, the scary parts of that and then you're just like oh this is great I'm yeah just, yeah. yeah. The, the thing I found about The Witcher as well is I barely, I don't know about you guys, but I barely use my horse now. I don't really oh, use yeah. my horse at I all. Really I just dog. walk everywhere. I don't even run. I just I just amble forward. I just keep like <laughs> push push the forward on the control stick and don't even touch X. And he's just like a light jog kind of thing. Because I'm just like, I just want to look at everything. Yeah. Like it's just absolutely gorgeous that game. <laughs> Every time I save it, I make sure I'm in like the most picturesque possible so location. So I turn it back on and then I'm like, yeah, oh, yeah, that's right. That this game, yeah, fuck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that's where I'm at at the Witcher. So I'll, I'll be I'll be um, on Scaliger for a while, I reckon. And yeah, um, yeah, it's it's slowly becoming one of my favorite games I've ever played. Excellent. I think something else Scaliger did. You talked about the immersion, especially with the forest stuff, but something to do with the immersion that that really got me with Scaliger is a lot of a lot of RPGs do that whole multiple nations or, or you know groups of people. Yep but it comes across as somewhat forced you know you'll go to a different continent or something like that and it will feel completely disconnected you're like okay i get you people are different but this doesn't even feel like the same world and not in a way that's kind of like there are worlds apart but in a way that's kind of like you just 
you've done diversity for the sake yeah. of diversity and yeah, yeah. cohesively fit in this world. But I think they did an amazing job with Skelliger and that, yeah, like you said, it, it's such a juxtaposition to kind of Vellum where yeah. everyone's cheerful. And I mean, there's just been a death of, of their Jarl, but they're all celebrating his life rather than... Yeah, yeah. Yet it still all felt very consistently the Witcher. Like mm-hmm. this was all still clearly the same world. And, you know, reasons like this were the you know these differences were the reason that the people of Skellinger don't like the people of the mainland yes. and stuff like that yes. it's because they're like why can't they just get on with life why are they so miserable and sulking over everything oh, yeah uh, aren't they yeah they're just yeah. so yeah. fucking miserable yeah, absolutely you know, the difference was what helped you know hammer in that this was the same world this was just a totally different group of people and yeah. they nailed it in a way that I've not really experienced in enough no no it reminds me of, of uh, when I went to the United Kingdom last year going through, um, you know, base England and stuff, and, and, and Scaliger reminds me of Cornwall um, in the United <laughs> Kingdom. It's sort of this, it's this separate nation who everyone outside that world would consider part of this one thing, but they don't want anything to do with the other people, and they're completely <laughs> off the grid, so to speak, and, 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 and you know, they're, they're vying for their, for their um, you know, independence and stuff like that, and it just reminded me a lot of that. But they have Northern Irish accents, which is fucking awesome as well. Yeah. So <laughs> it's, it's, it's brilliant. I think that's the thing that, that perhaps where they've drawn it from is like it was is kind of like a medieval England type um, and the Scandinavian mm-hmm. Viking type thing mm-hmm. with, with their own sort of fairy tale-ish kind of flair to it, which is really cool. And then they've had two other games in the past to sort of like really eat that stuff out and yeah, yeah. it down. Um, which I haven't played, but I'm actually really keen to go back and play mm-hmm. um, now having experienced Witcher Three. I don't know, maybe I'll be disappointed going back and playing Witcher like, One and Two. Is yeah. very amusing. The <laughs> I, I played them leading up to Witcher Three, and I couldn't get through all of One. It was very. I mean, this was the enhanced edition, which was supposedly mm-hmm. the drastically improved one. But you just can't get over the fighting. Like I, I couldn't. Is I just couldn't clunky? get over the fact it's not really clunky. It's a rhythm game as opposed to pre, as opposed to two and three. Um, in that you have to time your mouse cursor. Right. I, mean, I, I played one and two on PC because I don't have a three sixty. Um, but yeah, it's very. It, it, you time your click. So it's like you click once and you attack, and then there'll be. I believe there's some sort of prompt on the screen with kind of like a a rotate right. thing. It's like click within this time frame to do your follow-up attack and then your third attack to complete your mm. combo and you kind of do that and you can do light combos heavy combos aoe combos based on the style you choose so so you have like kind of the the cat style the, the yep. swallow style right, right, right. Um, but the thing that got me was just the combat animations he wouldn't swing his sword like in which three he'd hold it over his head and go like that yeah it was ridiculous and i watched it and i was like who fights like this what is this it's power rangers um yeah uh, and that just kind of brought me out of it too much and i was like all right on to witcher 2 yeah um and witcher 2 was was great fun um i think i would potentially I, it doesn't really change three too much knowing characters ahead of time but definitely i think knowing people like dandelion ahead of time potentially yeah. mm. gave me a better experience with three so i was like oh cool he's in right, trouble right. again <laughs> yeah so so definitely which two is, is a great one even to go back to after three it mm. doesn't feel too much behind it there's definitely differences it feels like three built upon you know the existing mechanics of two and improved mm-hmm. upon them um but two still seems for the most part to have most of the mechanics um of yeah. three so you can have a lot of fun with it so it doesn't feel like a downgrade too yeah much. I, I think the biggest thing for me going back and playing two 
uh, one or two, whatever, would be sort of understanding the impact that Siri has had on the world because right. you play through three, like for example, when you get into Skellige, you even see um, Ermion the Druid and, mm-hmm. and he says things like, you know, Siri means she's dear to me in my heart as well and things like that, even though he's a crotchety old bastard. Um, and it's like, well, why? I don't, I don't know enough of the backstory yeah, to know yeah. why she's had such an impact on everyone that you come across. So that that kind of stuff would be interesting for me to find out. Yeah. I have just enjoyed the I've enjoyed The Witcher Three so much that I just kind of it's one of those things I want to know everything about the franchise. Yeah. But uh, to me, it kind of gives it just another level of mystique. Where I'm just oh, like, yeah. oh yeah, like uh, you know, I'll find out later on. I will assume, or, or via reading some book or something, why she's had such an impact on the world, or mm. what her place is, and, and mm. you know how she's affected this sort of stuff. But just to end um, on the on The Witcher Three and. I promise I won't bring Witcher 3 up again in games we've played because otherwise it was just going to turn into a Witcher 3 podcast. But um, <laughs> one thing I just want to, uh, one thing I really, just really, really stuck out with me is the wind in that game because I, I've never seen, I don't think I've ever seen an open world game. Possibly, not many have wind and not many mm-hmm. have that incredible level of wind. Like that's something that just puts it on another level mm-hmm. is the wind because I'm thinking of games like Red Dead Redemption or GTA, like, GTA has winded stuff, but it just feels like, you know, pixels are moving to another location or something like mm-hmm. that. And the Witcher, all the trees are bending, the the rain's moving to the wind. It's like where with headphones, that game's are on a whole nother level. Yeah. Um, it's incredible. Like the thought of everything, really, to, to build the immersion in that game. Yeah. It's a Agreed. hell of an achievement. And they have more of a command of the English language, and they're Polish than a lot of English <laughs> developers I know. So you yeah. could figure that because the books are incredible <laughs> that you read, like the the dialogue in the books and, and everything. It's like reading a you know a mini novel, every mm. one of them. So yeah, fucking pull you your go. socks up, Ubisoft, and uh, they're French, but I mean pull your socks <laughs> up, EA, and <laughs> e- uh, yeah, mm. ridiculous. There anyway, so I think what we can glean from that is there's a new benchmark, and yep, one should be there's aspiring to that. Absolutely, a new benchmark. Yeah. My my Witcher three review will be up. Um, you know when, when we get things up and moving so you can feel free and go read that um, into news boys so news. first bit of news we've got this is a little bit old now but you know still quite relevant um, Uncharted 4 delayed again when has it been delayed to? now I believe it's what was the last time was it May now or is it June now? I thought oh, it was June. It was, was it June now. Already... Was it was originally March? Wasn't it? Yeah. yeah, I don't think it'll be June because the VR stuff has taken all of June. <laughs> so I, I don't think they put it in June because they want to focus to be then, on yeah. the VR stuff. So it might be May. Um, but what? That's the second delay, right? So it's, it's had two yeah. so far. So that's fine. Two delays is, is almost a Naughty Dog staple now. <laughs> um, you know, we, we had two days with The Last of Us. I think we had two delays with Uncharted Two or Uncharted Three. I can't remember one of them. So that's all good. That's all well and good. I'm going to start getting concerned when there's a third delay, mm. um, or if, if and when there's. A third Does delay. It, do delays with from developers like Naughty Dog concern you though? Like realistically, for me, my thought is, hey, you guys know what you're doing. Yep. You prove that a few times now. Yep. You can take take that time. Take a couple of extra yeah. months if it's shit. You know take that time to, to polish it up. Yeah. I, yeah. You know? I think it really does depend. I mean, I'm not concerned with this delay. Um, I think that really, when a game is delayed, unless it's Duke Nukem Forever, it can only get better. Um, <laughs> because it's being pushed back for a reason. That reason is something isn't complete, something yep. isn't working to yep. the standard they want it to. Um, and so I'm absolutely fine with that. 
On the other hand, it does depend on what isn't the standard they want it to be. If the single player is all done and dusted and they're just working on multiplayer fixes, mm. I could not care less. Yeah, yeah. And in fact, putting more and more and more time and effort into the multiplayer in a way could end up detracting from the single player because mm. they just try to put too much into it in order to get it all running on the one disc and running, you know, get the multiplayer running stable to the level they want it to. They may need to decrease resolution, decrease textures, which may have a ripple effect back onto the single player. Right. So for me, no, I'm not concerned. But I think it does depend whether a delay is kind of not acceptable, but you know, how I would receive it, it would be based on why it's delayed. If it is delayed for multiplayer fixes, I couldn't care less, just put the game out now. Yep. If the single player's done, let's be honest, no one plays your shitty multiplayer Uncharted. It's not good. <laughs> it's not good. Oh, I, I think Uncharted 2 multiplayer was um, well received. A lot of people it like was because it was because it was in an era where multiplayer on single player games felt very tacked on mm. and Uncharted was one of the first ones to be a single player franchise to have multiplayer that didn't feel tacked on it felt like it's own separate independent mode yeah. um, and it was it was good at the time and then Uncharted 3 came out and didn't do anything with it they left mm. it exactly the same as it was just with different maps and by that time it didn't really feel good anymore mm. um, and Uncharted 4 again doesn't look any different than the 3 models and it's just People have their multiplayer games, and I just don't think Uncharted is really... People who are enthusiastic about multiplayer console games, I don't think Uncharted is on anyone's list of, this is my game, I'm yeah, competitive yeah, yeah. and Uncharted and Uncharted only. Like I don't think that really happens. Yeah. They tried. God knows they tried with Uncharted 3. They had those little videos on the login screen. I think it was like, top plays of the week, and it was put to Skrillex and other... Oh, oh my God, it was atrocious. <laughs> um, they tried really hard to make it a competitive scene, but it's just not going to be. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what COD and, and Battlefield and stuff are for. Like, if you want to casually chuck in a multiplayer experience, be my guest, but don't constantly delay your game just for that. Again, not saying that is what it is. Mm. We don't mm. know what it is. I'm just saying if it is that, just release your game now. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I have utmost <laughs> faith as well. I'm not concerned about the delay. And, and you know, I know Bruce Australia and Neil Druckmann know exactly what they're doing. Mm. Um, but yeah, it, it, you know, when it gets to, if there is a third delay, that's when I'll start being like, hmm, what's going on here? Like, what, why, what? You've had, you know, more than enough time at this point. Mm. Um, but yeah, at the moment, I think it's fine. It's just a bit strange that, it, that, that well, I guess it's not strange because they're following so with their previous games and delaying twice. But yeah, we'll have to see what comes of that. Um, so another thing was um, Kojima is is free from his cave. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> he's escaped. He's escaped. He's uh, yep. He's he's been let loose of his contract from Konami and. Um, what better way to celebrate than a worldwide friendship and tech tour? Um, seems to be what he's, he's doing. He he, um, I've been following his uh, his tweets that have popped up every now and then, and you know it's it's, it's quite interesting. It's it's very inspirational, broken English. Um, it's quite <laughs> quite hilarious to follow. Um, but he, he seems like he's having a whale of a time, and he's he's just travelling around. He's meeting with um, you know uh, PlayStation architects like Mark Cerny and stuff like that. Um, and the CEO of Sony, and, and just and just because he's got that partnership with Sony now, mm. so he's travelling around and and just checking out all this technology that's he hasn't been able to to grab um, whilst he's been locked yeah. away in his in his cave. It makes me feel him. like he's he's been this guy who's been sort of like locked up in a foreign prison or something. That's exactly right. And he's and he's been sort of it's the Andy Frank from Shawshank Redemption <laughs> moments. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Exactly. And he's 
been released and he's gone back to his home country and suddenly everyone's his friend again. Yeah, yeah. And he's just loving it. Yeah. yeah, which is awesome. He's like, oh, breathe in that fresh air. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That stale Konami, <laughs> like, office cube, whip people with extension cords, you know, allegedly. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's it, really cool. And so, because his, I remember them him sitting down with what's his face from PlayStation, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> and my memory of it is we're going to make a Metal Gear like game. Yes, yeah, yeah I remember <laughs> saying that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's going to be just enough to not violate the IP. Yeah, um, wooden, but wooden cog liquid, I believe. Yeah. So, no, it, it makes me happy seeing those sorts of images. And, you know, he's got his whole Kojima Productions um, studio going now and it um, looks to be going really well. And, you know, if he's going to be able to work on projects like the late and great PT slash Silent Hills or anything to that calibre, um, we have a lot to look forward to in the future from him. Mm. Especially Kojima mixed with VR. If VR does become a, mm. a good thing and an interesting thing, that's going to be something that I'm going to be keeping my eye on. Well, I seem to recall after the PT Silent Hills cancellation as well, um, as upset as uh, obviously Guillermo was mm-hmm. with it, um, mm-hmm. he did say that while he'd kind of lost his faith in the gaming industry, he was still very passionate about a project with Hideo um, and doing something with him at some point. So I think definitely if, if he's lost faith in the games industry because of, you know, publishers like Konami and what they did, I think that if, you know, Kojima is in, you know, at, at the helm of his own future now, essentially, mm-hmm. um, there's definitely potential for something between the two of them again because i know they were both definitely up for a project together even after that cancellation yep um so i think that if they can be put in charge of it um and not have to answer to anyone else then they'd both be pretty stoked to work on that so i would say that while obviously it can't be silent hills because silent hill is a konami problem yep. there's still very much the potential for pt to become something but yeah um, which is an exciting prospect integrate that as part of a different game or yeah. even the mood or you know mm. just how it worked kind of thing is would you guys say that that's what you're most excited about with, with this whole move something something along those lines i was very excited to have a kojima based horror game mm. that mm. i've been a silent hill franchise uh, fan of silent hill franchise for a long time um i played one two three the room think that's where i stopped playing because they got a bit shit mm. um but they were fantastic they're still the scariest games today i've played mm. a silent hill 2 um so i was very very excited to see what he could do and, and you know mm. pt um just freaked the shit out of me so i was <laughs> i was loving it i was yeah. loving it um but yeah we'll, we'll see what becomes mm. of that but it's good to have kojima off his leash and um absolutely it, it seems like yeah it, it just feels good Right. It does. It's one of those. It is. Yeah. It's a really, it's a really good feeling. I wonder what we'll see next from uh, from Konami. Uh, well, that's what I was going to ask it's you guys. Actually, slot machines now. Is it? It is <laughs> Silent Hill Pachinko. Yeah. Um, well, that's what I was going to ask you guys. Is there any other Konami properties that you follow? That uh, w- will you be buying any more Konami games? Yu-Gi-Oh. No. <laughs> I'm pretty sure they just put a new one out on the PlayStation Store. The ones I can think of, I'm not going to be buying any of these, but these are the, the Konami franchises I can think of, which are Sony Vendors, um, which mm. got, I don't think that's even a thing anymore. Um, we've got uh, Pro Evolution Soccer, um, yeah. which is apparently, 2016 version is apparently very, very good. I've heard really good things, um, yeah. I'm not a soccer fan, but you know, apparently it is. Um, then they've got uh, Castlevania. Um, which I, I I like Castlevania, but I wouldn't buy a full price Konami version of Castlevania. No. Um, I mean, is there anything else you guys? Oh, 
No, I can't think. Is there anything else you guys can think of? No, I mean they still obviously own the the rights to to a lot of things that were previously. Mm. Mm. Against, I mean, they said they're not stopping Metal Gear games. Just no, well, gone. that's another thing. Um, I don't think I'm going to be buying another Metal Gear game. I've got to say it depends on what it is. Mm. Metal Gear Solid, no. No faith now that Kojima's gone. But uh, if Konami still works with Platinum Games to come out sequels to Rising, um, I'd still pick those up. Yep. The storytelling was non-existent, but the gameplay itself was, was a Platinum game. No, it wasn't a Konami game. Yep. It was a Platinum Games Slash. game, and Excellent. that was fun. Um, so I'd still keep an eye on on that kind mm-hmm. of thing mm-hmm. but as for the ip they actually own not really yeah. no yeah. i mean for me it was really only metal gear solid anyway from them and that was purely because of hideo they're definitely in the same boat as ea now when if i do pick up one of their games i feel pretty bad about it i don't <laughs> i feel like i've done a very dirty thing mm. um so yeah I, I can't see myself picking up any konami games in the mm. future yeah perhaps they perhaps they will go down sort of more of a arcade type route and we might see some more sort of dance dance revolution and that kind of stuff i mean i wouldn't say no to that um mm. i wouldn't buy it no but if oh, i know you wouldn't I, buy it you when i when i visit japan i'd gladly play it yeah. um and you know in one of their arcades or something like that but yeah um konami's gone down the shitter and um i don't think anyone really cares about them anymore so no. that's it and hideo kojima is having a whale of a time uh, growing his beard out giving uh, daily twitter <laughs> updates on Pedro. so enjoy that um oh, i should tell you guys actually too we this is completely unrelated to gaming but uh do you guys ever find that when you you know you have you shave and you get the the you know the beard shavings in the sink and it's mm-hmm. a real bitch to clean up mm-hmm. it was my flatmate's birthday yesterday and he got given that this thing called a beard bib which is basically <laughs> so like uh, imagine a like you know when you go to the barber they put that like nylon yeah, yeah. sheet over yeah, you yeah, yeah. so it's essentially that and on it's it's a small version of that and on the corners of it are two sort of like suction pads so you put on this bib thing and suction it to the window to the mirror that's in front of you and it creates this big sort of trough oh. and then you shave and it catches all your beardy bits and then you just walk unplug it off the wall walk it to the bin shake it off done how wow. genius is that so the beard bib um, we're, you know, we're always looking for sponsorships. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I can't remember what the name of the company was that made Konami. it. Konami, yeah. Possibly Konami, yeah. yeah. So um, let us know. Yeah, after we've just shat all over them, but you know, um, <laughs> I cut that bit out and yeah, um, yeah but go, go and get one, go and buy one. Sounds like a quality product. Mm. Um, the, the last thing on the news agenda here, um, there's, a, there's, a, there's a quite interesting point about Hitman becoming episodic. Mm-hmm. And Final Fantasy fifteen is it? Seven, seven remake. Oh, the seven, seven remake. remake. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah. All right. So you talk about that. That's your, that's your it, thing. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> just something interesting. Not necessarily that they've gone out episodic. I don't really find that interesting. More frustrating. Um, but you know, if that's what they're going to do, that's what they're going to do. I mean, right. it's more the reason that apparently, you know, supposedly, um, they're going episodic because Square has lost faith in console sales. Um, and they don't believe that if they release them as complete games, they'll make all the money back. But if they release them episodically, they can decide whether or not to keep going with the development of the rest of the chapters based on the revenue right, from the right, chapters. Right. Um, which, if that is the case, opens up to the possibility that if people are like, no, we don't like episodic and decide to vote with their wallets and don't buy it, people who do buy it will get episode one of a Final Fantasy VII remake and then there'll never be another episode because mm, they didn't make enough money. Like, it just... I don't get it. I don't get it. I, I, if they want to release it episodically, I say they should release it episodically, stand by their decision, and give their actual reasons. 
because I don't buy this reason that they've given that they don't have faith in console sales because if it's specifically that they've said they don't have faith in console sales but they've released all their games on Steam as well recently. I'm, I'm confused so because uh, how, how can you not have faith in an in a, in a audience for that game when it was They're announced the at, Yeah, there was literally people crying <laughs> yeah. when, that game was, when the remake was announced at E3. That's what I mean. I don't buy it. I think they're trying to come up with a reason that they think people will buy into as to why they've just made the decision to release it episodically. Right. And I would be much more accepting if they just came forward and said, we've decided to release it episodically. I'm like, okay, let's mm. see how this works out for you. Yeah, I wonder if it's a sort of a backlash to the response from people when they did announce that it was just going to be episodic. Because a lot of people, there was a lot of hate for that. Yeah. Which I don't really get myself. Because I'm, like, let's say... They could kind of use it as a really cool storytelling thing. Like, let's say um, that the end of the first... Uh, the first kind of episode of the, the remake would be the, when you get to the top of Shinra and um, and Sephiroth has just gone crazy and murdered everyone and you walk, in, yeah, you walk into the <laughs> office and, and there's just blood everywhere and uh, that would be could be the end of the first episode that would be an awesome ending to the, yeah. to the kind of first part of that game mm-hmm. so they, it could be a really good thing and they could I, hire an it's probably good. just for narration who is the mysterious vigilante <laughs> with white hair <laughs> yeah. find out next time in episode 2 of Final Fantasy 7 HD remake PS4 PSN plus edition yeah, <laughs> that's probably where you pop in just two on PlayStation 1 version right yeah anyway, so. yeah Mm. I think spot it up, uh, you know, how it used to be over mm. discs. Yeah, I think it was shortly after that you did an escape and you got out of Midgar and that was the end of the first disc. But, I, yeah, I, I'm with you. Like, I don't, I don't, it's, it feels like a hollow kind of reason, rationale for doing the episodic thing. And there's still plenty of people who have bought consoles and it could be a console seller. Like, if, yeah. there's, if there's people who have gone off buying a PlayStation because... You know, if they just haven't had a, a game to that you know since Final Fantasy VII they've really enjoyed. Then a remake is going to get them to buy that console. Mm-hmm. It's, um, yeah, it just it doesn't feel like a good rationale to me. I think yeah, I mean, especially when they lump the fact that they're doing it with Hitman and Final Fantasy VII at the same time, because Hitman to me feels like it lends itself to episodic content. People out there who are fans of the franchise might disagree. I'm not a huge fan. I've just played. A few, a few of them, them. Yeah, and yeah. they're episodic games you know they're done in, in levels you select the level and then you start so mm. it feels like you know if they wanted to make sure they weren't making more than they were going to get money back for yeah make it episode by episode see how it sells that seems like it would work fine for me but Final Fantasy 7 is, is just an odd one mm. Hitman's not square as well right like, who's, who's the publisher of that it's developed by Eidos I thought it was Square mm. Publishing. Is it Square Publishing? I don't well? think it was originally, but I think the more recent one, what was that, Absolution? Yeah, Absolution. Like? Yeah, I think that yeah. was a Square game. Oh, okay. Mm. All right. Interesting then. So that's just their whole... Yeah, perhaps that's just the way that company's going. The whole going now. And yeah, I mean, I don't necessarily disagree, but then again, it, it, it depends on the release schedule, I guess, you know? If they're going to be putting it a year between releases, people might prefer that they just release it later as a complete game so they don't have to wait but then yeah. if they're just going to be releasing it every four months and it's the difference between getting episode one this year or getting episode you know getting the full game in two years time pe- people might change their tune and be like actually yeah I don't think episode one now and then episode two in a couple of months and then episode three in a couple mm-hmm. of months and then episode four in a couple of months and be done 
um, rather than waiting two years for it all to be done and released yeah, at once kind yeah. of thing. So I think based on more news as it comes out, people might change their tune. But at the moment, just it's an odd statement. We're mm. releasing it because we don't have faith in consoles. It's a dangerous precedent to set for, for yeah. other developers. Yeah, I, I don't want that. What you're describing is DLC. I don't want. I hate DLC. Well, we don't even know if that's the case because <laughs> we don't know how it's going to be packaged. You know, is it going to be yeah. a season pass deal? Yeah. Or is yeah, it going yeah. to be you buy each episode individually and then if you do, is it going to be full re- retail price per episode or is yeah. it going to be cheaper? Mm-hmm. Is it going to be buy a season pass and get them discounted but still more than a full retail game? Like, mm. we just, we don't know. It, it was, it's bad enough, you know, when a, when a, when a television show's on, um, you know, your Game of Thrones or Breaking Bad or whatever, waiting week to week for an episode. Mm. Little, I don't want that to happen in my video games. That sounds absolutely nightmarish. Mm. Um, so, and then also, how like if it is episodic, how is that going to work? As far as it being like, because I mean, in my mind, Final Fantasy VII was one of the first sort of like open worldy games that that I can remember where there was a there was a world map and you could kind of choose where you wanted to go at any one time. If it's episodic, how does how's that going to work? Like, do you just kind of? I'm hoping it adds on personally. Mm. So I'm hoping that it will work somewhat like DLC in that they release it episodically and you have to buy the episodes separately but they add on to create the full game by the time you're done Mm. because you know it would suck if yeah you know you you load up episode one um, after the whole thing's out because you want to go to Mecca and you've got to load episode one then you run around there and you're like cool I'm going to go to the Golden Saucer and do a bit of gambling Mm. go to travel to Golden Saucer and it's like yep please exit and launch episode three or something like surely that. it wouldn't that feels, <laughs> that feels awfully clunky so I'm, a, no. yeah I'm hoping it will just add on as it goes yeah so as yeah. by the time you have all four episodes I don't know how many there's going to be I'm just guessing four because there were four discs um, yeah. but by the time the whole thing's there you can just play through start to finish uninterrupted you can go back to any previous episode mm. and so on um, I'm thinking episodic or I'm hoping episodic is just a way to get the content out slightly quicker to people yeah. um, and over time and of course measuring sales as they go um but yeah, we there's not enough information yet to really. No. Yeah, no. yeah. What about Final Fantasy Fifteen? How, how that's you full. That's full completion on yeah. disc, as far as I'm aware. They haven't announced anything about changing that. And I think if they did at this point in time, that would cause an uproar. Mm. Because something interesting about Seven um, is Square said a long time ago they weren't going to release a new Final Fantasy. They weren't going to remake Final Fantasy Seven until they were confident they had a better game because they didn't want to remake their best property into their best property again like they wanted to feel confident that they had a reason that they had to remake it because it was no longer their best property so for me that says that they believe Final Fantasy 15 is better than the original Final Fantasy 7 mm. they now have that property that beats the original 7 so they have a need to remake the original 7 into something better it's bold to make that call before pre-release yeah, yeah totally that's the other thing that's getting me about about sort of like all the, the games that are coming out this year um, a lot of them, you you look at what the release date is, and they're still just being posted as 2016. Yeah, yeah. TBA. Just really, <laughs> come on, guys, yeah. just give me a date so I can, you know, at least kind of plot it on a calendar and, and start looking forward to it. It's, uh, <laughs> it's oh, no. frustrating for me. It is yeah. frustrating. Well, speaking of release dates, um, we'll move into a few discussion topics um, here. So there's a, the game I, I spoke about last week, um, when we're talking about our most anticipated of 2016, The Witness. Mm-hmm. It's actually coming out this Wednesday. 
Yes, which you're quite excited about. I'm very excited about picking that up. Um, probably day one, and then probably not playing it until I finish with The Witcher. <laughs> yeah. It'll be statued in my library. But yeah. I think it's about forty bucks. I'm not sure if that's How do you American. Feel about that, because that's something that seems to have sparked some debate online. Really, I'm absolutely fine with that. Yeah. Forty bucks. Yeah. I think the reasoning yeah. is that it was originally, you know, since it's so delayed as well, mm-hmm. and there was talk way back when that it was going to be a PS Plus game when it originally oh. came out, sort of four years ago or whatever okay. so the fact that it's so heavily delayed and then that also it's no longer going to be the free title that it was originally promised to be mm. um some people are upset i was just wondering yeah since you were so so stoked about uh, it yeah no i, I never heard talk of it being a ps plus game i just remember hearing it was going to be a release game for the ps4 um <laughs> wow yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, it's been like five years in the making this thing wow. um but no I'm, I'm absolutely fine to pay you know 45 40, 50 bucks kind of thing even for it. it mm. Apparently it's got um, you know, <coughs> 100 hours at least of gameplay in it. Wow. So yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm intrigued and you know some of those puzzles I'm probably going to be sit, just, just sit there staring at it for yeah. about an hour. <laughs> mm. um, so we're probably 400 hours of gameplay if you count me just you know staring at the screen while nothing moves and my brain just slowly melting. Mm. Um, so I'm, I'm very excited <laughs> which about which is the gameplay experience essentially yes, yes. yes <laughs> absolutely um, no I, I can't wait for The Witness to come out so we, I'll be picking that up on on, uh, well, on Wednesday hopefully if it's on the PlayStation mm. New Zealand PlayStation mm. store by then um, and in that same vein do you, have you guys seen anything about a game called Firewatch I have yes I yeah. think you have what, what, what do you reckon about that what are you um, you intrigued it looks interesting it yeah does. I am actually quite quite intrigued by it um so it's a little it, indie, indie uh, yeah. first-person game. First-person um, takes have place. A watch. That's about. <laughs> to, it takes place in the American wilderness. You're a you're a, a fire ranger, fire ranger essentially. Yeah. You're mm-hmm. in a tower and you're supposed to watch and, and make sure there's no fires, as the title would tell. Um, but th- it, it seems kind of like a thriller. Um, yeah. Interestingly enough. Yeah, I've I've watched a few gameplay uh, sort of early gameplay footage videos of it. Um, and yeah, it's exactly that's exactly the vibe I got from it as well. Mm. It's um, there's no there's no sort of intense soundtrack or anything like no. that. And I think that sort of helps to build suspense. I think you know. Yeah. You've got you've got a walkie-talkie, um, and you mm. you're, you're communicating with this person, communicating with the yeah. person, and they're kind of giving you hints on the on the story and all that kind of thing as you go. And like I mean, what I saw was pretty, probably pretty early game where you just spent the first night out in the wilderness kind yep. of thing and, yep. and these kind of things and you were I think what they did was they had heard there were some teens some youths some teenagers yeah, about yeah. troublemakers <laughs> exactly wells. yeah exactly yeah. and uh, so they in this particular gameplay thing they went off and they uh, they picked up some rubbish after these teenagers and found that they had vandalised some things so that not only were they youths they were also vandals um, this game sounds amazing. This sounds like my, my <laughs> ultimate fantasy. Just, just, <laughs> just walking around just, after damn kids. Just, yeah, just being able to just internalize just this rage I have for the youth of today. Yeah, absolutely. Fantastic. But it, yeah, and, and so essentially it was it was nothing too much more than that in this, this gameplay footage. But yeah, there was a real sort of sense of suspense to it. Mm. And, and mm. somehow, um, I can't really nail down how, how that was achieved, but perhaps it was the lack of music that wasn't sort of just having you ambling along, like do, 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 do. It, um, yeah, there was something about it. It's, it's, I, I love those games. They really appeal to me, like The Witness, um, where you it's just you, and you're just completely isolated in, in some sort of area, and that's it. Mm. It's just something really special about that feeling. Eh? It's just you, mm-hmm. and, you're, and you're just exploring, and 
Yeah. You know, the album was I'm on Watch. I think it should be it should I, be quite cool. Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm trying to remember when the release date. That might be one which is which just says 2016. Mm, probably um, another I'm one. I'm not sure yeah. about that, but I'll definitely be picking that up. And you know, that's another one I probably pay um, 20, 30 bucks kind of thing for. Mm-hmm. Um, so that'll be interesting. And um, something something else I noticed: uh, Drive Club, the um, <laughs> how do we describe this game? The now finished apparently um, Drive Club. It's been a been a while. Um, the, now the PlayStation Plus version got released. I noticed something very interesting about this. PlayStation Plus version got released a couple months ago, three months ago maybe something like that. I, I added it to my library. Mm-hmm. I decided I'd like to check out Drive Club the other day. Um, so I, I you know I went into my library, tried to install it. It's not there. It's gone. It's completely no, gone. Really? It, even though I've added it to my library, it's fucking gone. Huh. They're taking it. That's odd yeah. because even though PT's no longer in the store, it still shows in my library. Yeah, so PT is, yeah, I've got PT in my library as well. Drive Club. So? Nothing to be seen. Just doesn't work anymore? Just, or is it, is it just gone? They've just removed it, I think, entirely. And I'm not sure if. Huh. Like, I haven't seen anything about this online. I'm, I'm wondering. Like, I went through my library, like, I, I was, oh, it's not there. So I went through, like, you know, fine tooth comb, and I was like, it's just not here. It's <laughs> What's happened just to not it? here. To and be it, fair, though, the, the the PlayStation Plus version was. It was like two not, levels. Yeah, there, right? yeah, yeah, was, yeah, yeah. One car, two levels. Yeah, some no weather. Fuck is weather an add on? Anyway, <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. So I've heard it's actually a really good game now that now that it's finished. Um, actually, uh, and that's why you know, hence why I tried to play it. But there's no fucking way I'm buying that. Yeah. No. Not not after all those shenanigans. Yeah, absolutely. And apparently, it was awful to start off with, and and so it's it slowly broken. Yeah, it, it's slowly become a playable game. But then, yeah, if you've been promised it on PlayStation Plus. And then it's just disappeared. Hmm. I guess I've wondered. Did you? So you just added it to your library, but didn't actually have it downloaded. I'm wondering. I didn't if have someone downloaded. who had it downloaded and maybe had even played it frequently, so it was showing in there. You know, list of ten mm-hmm. apps or whatever. Mm-hmm. I wonder if they would still see it there. Or yeah, it, yeah, yeah. Because I, I went into the PlayStation Store and I was like, all right, here's the here's the full version, thirty nine ninety five or whatever. That was the only version there. Hmm. I was like, okay. Um, Maybe they had just decided they had had to spend so much time and money making it playable mm. that they couldn't feasibly give any aspect of away of it away yeah. for free anymore. That you'd think they'd be a bit more upfront with that, or maybe yeah. they just completely missed the news or something. But yeah, it was a uh, very disappointing, unfortunately. But mm. not a huge racing fan, but I, I thought you know Drive Club it looked really good. I was I was really intrigued just to just to have some yeah visual porn essentially, mm. Mm. Um, car porn and, and weather porn. <laughs> didn't get either the, the Witcher, well, I got, yeah, the, the Witcher yeah, no the Witcher that was before I started playing the Witcher so yeah. the Witcher the weather porn is definitely there and there. sated your your desire for weather porn <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah but in, in that same vein um, you wanted to talk about Gran Turismo yeah so um, my brother and I to give you a little history lesson or back back story here my brother and I have been big Gran Turismo fans since since the word dot um, and so every iteration, basically every iteration that's come out, I've pretty much always bought it on release because um, they're, they're just super fun games and they're like the closest thing you can get to actually driving these cars. You have a racing um, wheel. And we've got a wheel, yep, we've got a wheel pedals and all that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. um, which is cool. It's, it's basically the only racing game we'll play, but when they do come out, we, we basically freak it until we've, we've completed everything. Yep. Um, and if you haven't, if, you, if you've played 
Gran Turismo in the past and you've never bought yourself a wheel and had to play around on a, on a proper wheel, it's just incredible these days, especially with the, the, the previous one, Gran Turismo 6. Like, the feedback you get from the steering wheel is incredible. You'll, you'll go along and you'll have the ripple strips on the side of the track and mm-hmm. that kind of thing, mm-hmm. and you will feel that through, through the steering wheel and you'll feel the car give way. It's just amazing. But the next Gran Turismo that's, uh, that's coming up is not a numbered version so it's not going to be Gran Turismo 7 Mm -hmm. Um, they're calling it Gran Turismo Sport I remember that that was E3 I think I think so yeah Um, which is which is looking quite cool there's not too many details out about it right now but you you guys have just not I've I Gran Turismo 3 came with my PlayStation 2 oh yeah that and Jack and Daxter so I I jammed a little bit of that and I remember back in the day playing Gran Turismo 2 or 1 at a friend's house and doing one of the endurance um, challenges mm. yep. and we sellotaped um, we've got this contraption where you sort of sellotaped the analog stick forward and, and mm. X and just scraped the, the the sort of outside of the course <laughs> you just had to do 500 laps or whatever it was yep. and no one was just, we didn't want to sit there doing that so we rigged up this like jerry rigged this device so the car was just going around the like the, the outside and just eventually got that challenge because that's what, you didn't have to do it in a certain time yeah. you just had to do it it was like 500 laps so I was like there's no way I'm sitting here and doing 500 laps of this perfectly Ridiculous. circular course that's NASCAR for you though yeah so that, that's my experience with the game the the interesting thing about this new one right is is Firstly, it, it could be amazing for VR. I think it could be really, really cool. And mm-hmm. apparently, there's that it's going to be fully VR compatible, which is awesome. But the thing that really struck me reading about it was that the I think it's the FIA, which is like the I think that's what it's called the the you know the global racing uh, authority oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, is going to be managing the uh you know gta or gt sport as a world as basically that on the same level as like formula one oh, and that wow. kind of thing. so okay. there's going to be like proper online races where you can be the world champion of this officially recognized sport yep um which boggles my mind um yeah. so it's sort of taking esports to the next level where there's this blurring of the lines between this this governing body of motorsport that it like recognizes you know formula one champions and on the same level you're going to have gran turismo champions Hmm. so there'll be there will literally be world champions in gran turismo and they play the game and they are number one in the world they could open it up to really interesting little sort of promotional things i mean imagine when you reach the point where there is a world champion Mm. You know, and he's he's the official world champion, and just just running some promo races and being like, "Here's the world champion of genuine in the real world Formula One. Mm. Here's the GT Sport world champion. He's gonna go on the same track in the game with the same car that the real champion uses, and they're both gonna go around the track, and we're gonna see who gets the better time. Yeah, just sounds like Top Gear, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it's yeah, it, it really interests me, and, and um, yeah, that that would be really cool. Like, yeah. I mean, yeah, and how many like gaming nerds would 
potentially get into into motorsport. Mm. Oh, I tell you what, that guy at ESPN who um, who was who was raging that uh, I think it was COD or, or Halo became an esport and, and ESPN was broadcasting it. He's gonna have a shit fit after hearing this <laughs> because he, he's like, oh, if they if this becomes an actual sport, on, you know, classified as an actual sport, I'm gonna leave ESPN. It did. He left. Sorry, he's, wow. <laughs> he's yeah, was he the, no, I don't think it was him. There was a dude who who made some equally outlandish statements when I think <laughs> it was Heroes of the Storm was on ESPN. Oh, okay. It was called like Heroes of the Dorm and it was like a college-sponsored eSport tournament thing that was on ESPN. And the, 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 the casters weren't, <laughs> they weren't shoutcasters for the games. They were ESPN sports casters. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they were losing their shit because they didn't know what was going on. They didn't know what they were meant to be doing. They're like, this isn't even a sport. These kids need to get laid. Like, it was, <laughs> it was hilarious to see. I've seen like highlight reels and stuff mm. on YouTube, but it's ridiculous. <laughs> it's ridiculous how, you know, gamers are the ones kind of, you know, looked down upon as, as you know, it's the, it's the weird thing and the when the people who who are the kind of the the real world jocks and and sporties and everything are really the ones being weird by just being so incredibly unaccepting of of a different thing potentially (laughs) holding as much import to a group of people as their thing that they enjoy like it just it boggles my mind that they think it's so weird that people have different tastes and preferences and yeah it's mental it is pretty incredible but the the other thing that, that excites me about that game is is yeah the, the vr side of it as well because i think in the last podcast we were talking about how ridiculous it would be to be wearing a gimp suit and walking around with a, a podcast <laughs> yep. you know a, a vr headset on whereas with this if you've got if you've got a vr headset a steering wheel and some pedals yeah you're gonna stand a gimp suit sans gimp suit yeah. no gimp suit required um, that just transfers so beautifully, it does, yeah. and that's one of the things where uh, you know we're playing it on a, like a racing game is a little bit tough because you know if you're on a real track, if you're taking a right hand turn, you're looking to your right and you're spotting you know, oh, the rest yeah. of the turn, and mm-hmm. so that's kind of a little bit of what you miss out on when you're playing it on a console or, or on you know whatever system. Whereas VR headset, boom, it's can't get yeah. too much more yeah real. it might be the yeah. thing to finally kind of bridge that gap for people who, like me who don't play racing games in first person mm. because you don't have that immersion I'm like no I have to play it in third person because I need to see more of the track around me coming yeah. up before I do it and I think VR would be that thing to finally be like why well, I'm going to play it first yeah. person now yeah especially yeah and, and with games like GT where the interiors of the car and the what the, the level of detail that they put into that is is just as as amazing as the rest yeah, of the game. Yeah, that's an achievement in and itself. And so, oh, it just sounds great to be able to look around your cockpit and be able to spot the, the turns and all that kind of stuff, and then having this like this fully globally recognised kind of championship mm. sounds really awesome. So that, that's quite cool. I'm quite excited to see where that mm. goes and. How that impacts on things, um, and maybe it'll get some some other people who aren't into, necessarily into that sort of stuff into into a better. I, I do remember that actually now because I, I remember watching the E3 broadcast last year, and um, you know it's three hours long or whatever, and I remember certain bits skipping through certain bits, and I'm pretty sure that Street Fighter Five, any dancing stuff. Any sports games, <laughs> those are the bits I skipped through. So I think I saw GT Sport and I was like, all right, yeah, not really interested. So I fast forward, but mm. that does sound really, really um, intriguing. Not as something I'd want to play, but just something that's you know the melding of those two it worlds. Not only yeah, have a really positive impact on kind of the development of this technology moving mm. forward. I think so. Yeah, yeah. Mm. that's cool. Um, cool. So we'll probably move on to um, anything weird or glitches that we've noticed. 
Um, and any anything you guys have been playing in the last two weeks? Given that I've I've been in the same boat as you, yep. still playing The Witcher. Yep. Um, and yeah, aside from Roach, still deciding that he's going to be sporting himself in the weirdest places. Yep. On on the top of roofs and all that kind of thing. Um, I hadn't seen this personally, but apparently there has been a patch for The Witcher. I think maybe on the PC version that you can that you can get, and and it messes up uh, when you, it gives you sort of like a first person view. Oh. And it, but <laughs> as a result of that, it messes up the way all the characters look when they're walking about. Oh god! So they <laughs> so I think to make it work, the first person view work. What they've done is made the, the squash the characters up. So their legs are like this, so that when you look down, you can't see Geralt's leg. Oh, or something okay. Like along those lines. But it's carried over to a lot of the NPCs in the game. And so <laughs> they're walking about, and their legs are kind of tucked up underneath them as though they're sort of sitting on the ground in kind of like a yoga pose type thing. But then their legs are kind of moving like this, and they're just everything else is dead serious, but they're all floating about three feet above the ground. <laughs> in like a squashed up leg position and just moving about like this it is hilarious and especially when you go up and you talk to someone and they're still dead set serious but their legs are sort of up in their pelvis and like yeah thanks for seeing my notice on the board I'm glad you came to help me out <laughs> just, just to confirm this is a this is a mod right not a patch I'm not sure it can't be a patch it, it seemed it seemed yeah because I didn't think that there was a first person no, mod so perhaps it, perhaps it is a mod I think maybe on the article that it used the word patch, which is very misleading. Mm, but um, mm. yeah, that's that's one thing I spotted. But I haven't, <laughs> haven't seen too much like as far as glitchy stuff goes in the actual game. We all know it's pretty good, like as far as open world game stuff. Goes. Yeah, there, there's definite glitches. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll encounter at least one glitch every time I play it. Um, things I've I've noticed in Overgrad, this quite often happens. Is the map, the mini map, will just not half of it will just be black like the little mini map and, oh, I'll, yeah. and yeah. I'll load in you know yeah. and that's yeah. all well and good but the weird thing about Witcher is the just the the jump like your normal jump it just seems so out of place in that game so incredibly out of place <laughs> it's the most bizarre it doesn't look like he jumps at all he just kind of levitates into the air mm. like you know a couple of feet into the air and, and considering that game is all about you know feeling really weighty and, and you know you can't really turn that well and um, you know I've whinged about it before but Considering all that, it's very strange they've had this sort of like weird kind of old time prancing jump that he mm, does. Yeah. Um, so I've just taken upon myself to use that jump whenever I can and sort of just prance around the world like that. <laughs> like, yeah. Be like particularly uh, jovial. Yeah. Um, you know, completed a quest or something. I've just been prancing around and that leads to some very interesting um, object interaction <laughs> wherein I'll, he'll, you know, he'll try and climb something, but then it'll be, it'll actually be part of a mountain. So he'll be climbing and sliding. At the same time, yeah, um, I've actually flipped the character model upside down doing that before, so I was sliding <laughs> on my head down the mountain. Um, <laughs> so that yeah, there's some pretty pretty mm-hmm. interesting stuff. I lost my horse into a lake. Um, I just I was running full bore and didn't see it was dropping. Then there was a lake down there, and the horse just went, and I bailed off the horse, and the horse just went whoa into the lake, and um, you know that was. I, I role played the fact that he was gone, and I didn't use. Maybe that's why I'm not using my horse. He actually just pitched around. Yeah, you, you threw him off a cliff. And he's gone. Him, yeah, he's done with. Um, but yeah, that, that's all I've really noticed. Mm. Belsa? Um, yeah, I mean, obviously trialling a few different games, you notice a few things. So I, I've noticed a couple of things. Both semi-kind of pop-in or, or just character 
positioning related. Mm-hmm. Um, the first being I have to break a kind of previous oath I made to myself to not bring up Xenoblade Chronicles anymore. <laughs> Do it, uh, I've talked Do about it. it enough, but um, there, there was a frustrating point um, where every now and again you'll get a whole find out where this person is or get some more information about this person. It will effectively involve you canvassing an area until you find someone and basically eavesdrop on a conversation where they're talking about it. It basically just involves walking past someone and you'll overhear something and it'll update your objective. And there was this one particular quest where I canvassed this area, hopped in my scale, ran it repeatedly, kind of because, you know, bigger legs, longer steps, canvass it quickly, back Mm -hmm. and forth. Turns out this character you have to overhear talking, A, only appears if you're on foot because the game suffers from quite severe pop in being such a large open world Wii U game. Mm-hmm. But also, there's such a minor character that in fact only appears when you're on this one quest that it takes about two minutes if you're standing still in the exact spot where they stand before they'll actually load in. <laughs> so I spent about half an hour canvassing this area and I was like, this nothing here so I went to the internet and I was like alright what the hell maybe he's underneath because I was on an area in the city where underneath is kind of little platforms and water and I was like I don't see anything but I know this game has popping issues so maybe he's meant to be on one of those platforms whatever I go on the internet and he just said hey they're just north of the water processing plant and I went and stood there and I was like I've been here heaps of times there's no one here further down in the thread someone said oh yeah hey he, he won't appear for in the scale because he's too small so he won't load in they won't mm. load him also, he won't load for about two minutes. You have to stand precisely <laughs> at this point on the mini-map for him to appear. And I stood there for about two minutes and finally he loaded oh, in. Would you, do you call that game-breaking? You know, that, that's pretty shitty. The thing is, it's terrible. It is, it is atrocious. Um, it, I wouldn't call it game-breaking because I'm still so incredibly in love with the game. It's mm. such a great game. Um, it, is, it is a severe issue with mm. the game. Um, I can't really call it a glitch or a bug because it's something the game does it has pop in it doesn't load everything unless it believes you need something to be there but it is a serious issue when the game can't detect what you're actually doing mm. like why you're standing in the area and for it to take that long to load in a character that honestly if you're like me you, I mean you're probably going to be running through that block of the city in your scale in an up down path in the marked zone on your mini map just mm. trying to quickly find them and run past them which happens on 99% of the quests that operate that way. So you're not really gonna be getting out on foot and slowly walking the streets trying to find the character. So I feel like that that was pretty crap. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it does it does almost sound game-breaking to me because think about it, if, if we didn't have the, the internet, internet didn't exist yet, then you, you could it would be. Theoretically just be like, right. Chances are, if you hang around in the area long enough on foot, not on your scale, you might load in. Yep. In which case, if you did canvas it for 20 minutes on foot the whole time, you might have come across them. Right. It could have purely been because I don't like running on foot because it's so much slower than running in your scale so I just run in there mm-hmm. and he doesn't load if you're in it um, which yeah I mean like you said no internet could be game breaking yeah. definitely a, a, a mark off um, and something something bad enough for me to raise that there is an issue with this game mm-hmm. which previously I wasn't prepared to do yeah. so um, and another thing similar is in The Old Republic there was just an amusing cutscene where um, a character was supposed to be walking away while I was talking with someone else because um, it was supposed to be kind of private conversation so one of them would dismiss the other one and be like come back in a minute yep. um, and I noticed that we were talking to him again like he was supposed to be there but he wasn't there and I was like where's he gone and as the camera was cutting back and forth I realised where did he actually even walk off to we're in a big open hallway where did he even go like I never really saw him walk off anywhere 
And then it cut to a shot later on where he'd walked off again and it cut to where he was, showing that he was turning and coming back. And it looked like he was maybe meant to be on a balcony overlooking uh, Coruscant, I believe I was on. Oh, yeah. But he wasn't. He was in nothingness. He was just standing in nothingness. <laughs> and the camera follows him as he turns and walks back towards us and he just walks through a wall and then is standing next to us again and he's there. And it looks like potentially this quest existed before the map was maybe at some point remodeled mm. and originally there was maybe a door there that led so, out onto yeah. a balcony mm. but now it's just a large hallway and he walks through the <laughs> through wall. wall when we dismiss him he just walks away through the wall and then when we call him back he walks back through the wall again and that's it and no one mentions it and it, it was just really strange that's, I, that's and great. I actually to this day I have no idea what that quest or conversation was about because I was trying to find this guy the whole time and I was like where is this guy gone what's going on <laughs> and great. it turns out he just Into walks the, through the wall the, the mythical <laughs> man that exists beyond game yeah, I game tried to get game. through there and it can't be done so wow. <laughs> it's the fourth it's dimension weird. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> alright I think that probably just about wraps us up um, for this episode unless you guys got anything else you want to touch on briefly I'm good have a, yeah. have a good week everyone enjoy, yeah. Uh, yeah. enjoy the games yeah we'll be, we'll be back in Wellington enjoy the anniversary day yeah, yeah. yep absolutely we'll put Wellington anniversary on Monday so it's another day off to get some um, some video in and um, yeah it's looking like it's not clearing up at all out there so we'll enjoy the rest of this uh, nice time um, have a good one guys we'll see you back in about two weeks catch you later see you. Bye. Bye.